0: My name is Ola O'Loughlin and I'm Vice Principal and Director of Drama at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama in the City of London. My role here alongside my freelance career as a theatre director and previous life as Artistic Director of the Traverse Theatre in Edinburgh has meant that over the past couple of weeks I've found myself in conversation with a wide range of people, all in an effort to process the current COVID-19 crisis and explore just what it means for the future of artist training, and indeed the future of the theatre industry itself. Of all those discussions, the one I found myself in with Patsy Rodenberg at the end of last week was easily the most galvanising and inspiring. And because of that, I thought it might be useful to capture and to share. So I'm delighted that Patsy is joining me now to pick our conversation up. Patsy Rodenberg is Professor of Text and Poetry at Guildhall, where she has taught for the last 38 years, alongside her celebrated career as a world-renowned voice coach across stage, screen, politics, prisons and beyond. So, Patsy, thank you for joining me today.
1: Where shall we start? Orla, before we start our discussion about theatre, I think there's something I have to say that is critical. The British government would be very short-sighted, if not stupid, if it doesn't maintain the theatre and conserve its finances in this time. We possibly have the best theatre in the world, the best theatre actors, the best playwrights, both old and living, the best directors, the best stage managers and technicians, and the best centres of learning in the world a beacon to the world that cares about theatre. Theatre pours billions of pounds into the economy every year, but it's more than that. Theatre teaches people very practical and creative skills. Anybody getting involved in a community with theatre learns critical human skills and skills that transfer into film and television, and again, pours billions of pounds into our economy, teaches teachers, helps people cope, but more importantly, maybe for the government to realise, is that business leaders, many of whom I coach, have all said to me that their success and their brilliance roots back to the skills they learnt in theatre. We have to keep our theatre vigorous and strong, and our discussion Today is to be very clear that we have to reflect and reset and make theatre more compelling, more engaging, more relevant, and more thr- thrilling for an audience. And as we sit in this very reflective time, I think we all have to begin to realise people talking about let's go back to normal. Well, I don't think we're going to go back to normal.
2: Mm-hmm. And maybe
1: normal. we're talking about wasn't really normal i think that i'm a great believer in conservation and that's going to be very important and my passion in theater because i do think theater is incredibly important when it works and in this i suppose this reflection i'm having i think as you're alone you often go i suppose to loss and grief Uh, i've been that's that's been part of my meditation and i you know, Fiona Shaw once said to me, well, she said, you know, every great play that is ever done is about how the human species deals with loss. Mm. And the loss of our theatre at this moment makes me feel, what do I feel about theatre? Because I think when it works, it is, it transforms not only the actor, but the audience.
2: Mm. It
1: can transform community. It can speak about... Politics it can have debate and my god we need debate at the moment We need debate and the one thing that the renaissance understood and the Greeks is that debate Can only happen if you're prepared to change your mind and if that isn't a message, but any case, let's go back to theatre My I should give a context of where I come from. You know me a bit. I'm a purist I feel I have to be a purist. I come from a school of training that believes in the story as the important, about ensemble, supporting the story, Mm. the actor as the center with the audience and the story. Yes, the director is there. The director has to be there. But the great thing about theater is in the moment, the actor is in control. So thinking about Shakespeare's Globe, and I was thinking about, the audiences, a lot of working class people. They had to get on a ferry. They had to cross the River Thames. The first place they had to walk through was the place of taverns. So if they wanted a drink, they stopped off there. The next place was the red light district. So if they wanted that, they stopped off there. The next place was where you would watch a bear rip a dog to pieces, the blood sports. Mm. Then you got to the theater so number one you have to really want to go to the theater you okay. have to really want to go and theater will survive and it should survive if we really want to go because when it is when it works it is extraordinary but often it is rather disappointing mm. and i think it's time that that we have to knock on our heart and begin to talk about what theater does very well what it doesn't do very well, how actors have to be in order to engage an audience, mm. because it is the actor's job to awaken the audience. the The clue, or I always say this to students, the clue is that we have we do something called live theatre.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Often we see half dead theatre. <laughs> I'm naughty, but I love actors. You know, I love actors. Yes, I love those artists. So I think it's very important now to talk about why theatre is important
0: mm. well you were talking there about audiences that you began with well, the audience about... and their journey and what if they really want
1: to go they'll go and the first thing that is important i was listening to um the object story you know 100 objects that changed and i, I just was so engaged the other night listening to it that the first bits of writing which is they think about 5000 years ago we're just about lists. It was admin, actually. It's about lists and names and um, people owing you money because the really important stories, and every great actor knows this really important stories come from the heart mm. and are known deeply. If it matters, you know it deeply. And great acting is an extraordinary thing because the actor has to know something and then not know it. Mm. And that is, when it's done properly, in front of an audience, it engages our minds and it excites us, but it's also about not knowing. And what we've discovered in the last few weeks, and I think it's very important for our society to realize this, because there are some societies that know this, that we don't know everything in the last hundred years or so, we sort of believe that scientists will solve everything. It will all be solved. And of course, we don't know. And that's what theatre does. There is no rehearsal for the great stories. And when actors do it well, they are great healers and great educators.
0: So where does that put us now? so that those reflections, how do they relate to well, this very particular time and moment
1: i'm'm re- I'm entire'm thinking, in, in I'm thinking story mm. I'm going to t- talk about stories, actors, acting, training of actors and mm. the, and the community. this idea that is terrifying really, that a lot of people are going to think. Oh, everything now can be done online. Yippee. Uh You know, people worried about money are going to sort of be rubbing their hands and thinking um, we don't need to train together as a community in anything. But of course, that is incredibly dangerous. I think most anthropologists will say that our ability to conquer the planet was because we could build community, Uh tell important stories. That one of the things that anthropologists talk about are, is the moment that we carried the ill and the old across the desert. Mm. And one of the only answers for that is that they were the storytellers. Mm. They they had this. They had the education, and of course they entertained. But more importantly, and this is when I get very passionate, is that a great story, a great story, tells us about morality. It discusses the human often cultural morality, but the overall morality, Mm. the overall, what I call universal stories. I, there's only a few themes in Shakespeare. There's only a a few themes in the great classical plays. There's only a few themes in Arthur Miller, these great, great playwrights. Number one, Shakespeare is one of the greatest manuals on leadership. And, godness gracious, we need a manual on leadership. And quite, and it's a Renaissance idea as well as a Greek idea of balance. Balance. And that's in dialogue and that's in debate, but in power. If I have power, I must not misuse it. Mm -hmm. But if I have power, I have to use it. Mm -hmm. And that is a central theme in almost every great scene in any great play. Love. Is it conditional love or is it unconditional love? Do I love my daughter unconditionally or do I put conditions? Do I love this person conditionally? That is a conflict that is in every play of Shakespeare. Mm. Justice, is this divine justice? I'm using terms that might be a bit odd, but is it divine justice or man-made justice? And in, again, every scene, what is justice and then there's complicity you know the great thing about theatre what theatre can do is in particularly in Shakespeare's soliloquy you move out the a character talks to the audience and often they're the characters who have nobody else to speak to so the audience is a friend and then the idea of complicity comes up mm-hmm. you know do I shout out I was talking about King Lear to the students a while ago and it occurred to me that you know all it would have taken in the first scene of King Lear is after Kent says this is wrong, sir, um, Albany to stand up, another Duke, Cornwall, and say they're right. I was watching Trump, you know, talking about bleach the other day, you know, and there was this doctor sitting there, and I just wanted to say to her, stand up. Mm. So. What I'm talking about is the importance of these stories. And I would, I would bet that there's not a human being on the planet that hasn't been lying in bed at some point thinking about power, thinking about love, thinking about justice, thinking about standing up or not standing up. So w- what I think starts to matter are the really important stories.
0: Mm. And do you feel that
1: something is in jeopardy I think that something has been in jeopardy for a long time in theatre. I think um, the great, great actors are sometimes being replaced by people who can't really act.
0: In what way? Say more about that.
1: Thumbs on seats.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: Do do we really want to walk to the theatre? Yes, we might want to see a celebrity. But at the same time, the story is the story being served. I come from a theatre, I started to say that earlier, but I come from a theatre which believes that everything is serving the play
2: mm. and
1: the audience's engagement with that play.
2: Mm.
1: And that might be design. I come from, I was lucky enough to know Percy Harris, one of the Motleys who did all the design at the Old Vic. And you only design to serve the play, not a concept that will often reduce the play. I'm not interested, but it happens in stories being reduced to a mm. place when you can say, well, that bit was good, that bit was good. But overall, I didn't have an experience that an an ensemble of actors really serving the story will give us. I mean, Sue Lefton, wonderful Sue Lefton always talks about, you know, you go to the theatre, you come out and you say, oh, that was all right. Where are we going to eat? (laughs) And actually, I have been involved in theatre when you come out and you go, wow, Mm. that something has shifted in me. Mm. And when it works, it works and it stays in you forever. And when it works, it finds something in somebody and changes them.
0: How do we ensure then, at this very tumultuous, frightening time for a lot of people working and training, that this survives? That for all the reasons you outline and reflect upon, we hold on to and ensure what do we do? How
1: do we? Well, the doing, maybe I'm I'm opting out, I will think about the doing. All I know, all I want to say to every young student and very talented actor, that we need theatre. And we need stories, and you just need three things, really. You need a great story, you need some actors, and you need an audience. Now, theatre was in, London in the plague, it was in Northern Italy, in the plague, they did it outside. They sort of know, they knew certain things, they didn't know a lot, of course. But maybe this is the time we do need theatre. Maybe the inspiration is, we need people taking things seriously, with truth and love, and somehow, battling through, I think, years of crap. You know, you go to the theatre and you just want one idea that you've thought about, as opposed to certain things that are instead of great acting, instead of great. So maybe it's a much cheaper form of theatre. Maybe we don't need all. Maybe the band of... Uh, brothers and sisters can go around and perform. I don't. I know that it's it's about money, and I know that I'm going to be unrealistic about those things. But I do believe that. I do have to say to my young students, I want to say something. I want to say something very important about um, how amazing they are. And over the last, I think in the last fifteen years, I've seen in young people during the eighties and nineties, there was obsessions in young people that didn't I didn't fully understand and it's to do with the cosmetic and yet when I think about it and feel for young people today when they enter the theater I feel for them because I didn't have the pressures on me that they have
2: Mm.
1: let me just say one thing they are amazingly passionate and Um, if they can keep their skills and craft, which I will talk about, as you know, and their passion and their need to say important things, they're going to be all right. But the pressures on young people, this idea of perfection, which we all know doesn't exist. I didn't have to deal with that as a young person. Mm. I didn't have to deal with the idea that, and we all know perfection doesn't exist. I have never met a great artist who said, I've done a perfect this. Because when you understand there's no perfection, you might get it in Mm. moments. Mm. And then you have the humility to know that you can't strive for it. The other thing that they all have to strive for, which wasn't in my consciousness when I trained, is celebrity and fame.
2: Mm.
1: You know, and I've worked, as you know, with a lot of Oscar winners. And, you know, they hold their little what's it and it's got a, a shelf life of about 18 months and mm-hmm. you chase everything and it's it's nothing. The work is the thing, mm. the work, the dedication to research and work and embodiment. This is what will help anybody actually, mm. craft. And the other thing that I feel very strongly about, and I was talking to a friend of mine in Australia the other day, and he's very knowledgeable about these things. And I said, you know, the, the problem is that actors have to be vital and courageous and able to change and re- reveal, and they can't want to be liked. And she is a very deeply religious woman. And she said, you know, that even the greatest gurus say that that is the hardest thing mm. to, to battle. But realistically, if you go out in front of an audience, some of them, not going to like you. You walk into a room with 24 people, mm. which when we build ensemble, I have to talk about it very simply. We are all equal in the room. We all matter. The word civilization comes from the individual matters, but the community is more important. Mm. And you can respect each other and work with each other. You don't have to like each other. So... They have these enormous pressures on them. But if they do the work, there's a dignity in that, Mm -hmm. I think. We certainly
0: found in rehearsal for um, Antigone in in the last few days when we knew that lockdown was coming and the school would have to close and we'd have to leave our rehearsal room and ultimately our production, that the thing that got us through was the work. And we talked about that, that that was the thing that, meant we could get up in the morning and get through the day. It was the work that gave us momentum and hope, actually. So how do we maintain momentum and hope when we can't be together in an en- ensemble, when we can't be working in that very live, connected human way, Patsy? What do we do in the interim whilst we have to be apart? Have you any thoughts or no, reflections? I think
1: that we have, We have, we can do the craft work, the embodied work. We can do that on our own. We can prepare. I mean, we're in a building where we have musicians as well as actors. Mm. You know, I'm going to get controversial now, but it's always very expensive to teach craft.
2: Mm.
1: It's the most expensive part of a training because it takes a lot of work. When, by the time a young musician gets into the building, they have spent years, probably from the age of five or six, doing hours a day of craft work. Hmm. When our students, the drama students get in, they've done other things. So now is a very good time to do the very, I don't find it boring, but I know they find it boring, of um, doing the work on your body, engaging, practicing being present. I mean, nature is coming, look out of the window, be present. Do research, do read. Don't have to be academic reading. You know, actors fall into two categories. Actors fall into some of the most interesting people in the world because they have a lot of embodied information. They know all sorts of odd things because they've researched properly.
2: Mm.
1: And then there are actors who haven't done that, but you know, there you go. Um, So they can do their craft work. They can think and they can think about the stories they want to tell. Mm. And as they read great texts, finding the bits that they feel are important to tell and, and, and are relevant now. Mm. I've been doing some tutorials with, uh, with students and they're reading Richard Third, and they're going, my God, this is relevant. So maybe a bit of reflection not too much, I mean it can't go on for too long of course, but everybody in leadership, where I work in the other world that I work in, says that we have to reflect, mm. we have to go into these places. And that's what great plays make us do. Mm. The students tease me a bit because they say to me, you say, because I do say, every um, everybody can understand Shakespeare. And uh, if it's approached in, a, in the right way, and then I'll say, but it's hard. And they say, there's a, there's a paradox there. And I say, no, it isn't. Because what's hard is facing things. And sometimes reading a speech deeply and connecting to the language is a very good way of wrestling and finding muscles to f- figure out things. Mm. So w- we do need deep study and they, can, they have a chance to deep study. And actually all the ones I've spoken to in some ways are very frustrated, but are also very, very relieved that they've got time to think.
0: Mm. And you talk there about time to face things. Is this a time to
1: face things? I think that's what we're going through actually. You, you know, we might not want to face things, but I think, yes, face things. Well, a great play makes you face things. Mm.
0: And in terms of the world that awaits our young artists in training on the other side when they come out, what, what are your thoughts about what will evolve? What's on the other side of this crisis?
1: I think um, there will be um, new energy coming out of there'll be new little theatre companies started, you know, some of the great companies that started in Thatcher's period, Mm. people that have something to say. One prays that the great theatres that we have survive, but maybe some stripping down has to be done. Some, some things might have to shift a bit I think we'll see lots of very powerful young people come forward and create their own work and maybe go back to street theatre maybe go back and uh, do those things but I also feel that we're very robust in theatrical terms and we might just have to check in on certain things Mm. check in about whether w- we only need buildings, maybe we have to take it out mm. into the open air a bit more. Mm. I have no answers. I strongly suspect, well, I, no, I, I think we'll survive, but I think it's a very good time maybe to trim the fat off, mm. to be more honest about acting and Craft, as you know, I'm very passionate about it. Mm-hmm.
0: It's interesting. You, the first thing you said was maybe there'll be more new companies. There'll be more young people making their own work, um, and that your response was about the new and what will emerge rather than what is and what we we may well lose. That's what I find in well, hopeful about our conversation that you see potential for the need to come through and to claim some space and speak their truth.
1: Yes, but with the connection to the universal truths, because those things are, are are part of our DNA. Storytelling is part of our DNA. Yes. I think, I think structure is, that the need to have something contained. You know, the verse contains the mess.
0: Mm. So how do we, in training, ensure that one isn't to the exclusion of the other? That there can be, can there be, a symbiotic relationship between the two?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's what Mike Alfrance did in the early days of shared experience. Yes. And that's what cheek by jowl, Declan and Nick did. They they broke away and had a vitality and but but also honoring what has what we know about how communication works between people you know you have to hear the actor you know you can yes. get very yes. boring about it and you can get oh it doesn't matter well it does matter these things matter
2: mm.
1: and if we can keep what matters and then let the, the the new wave engage that mm. there are always the same foundation stones yes. and maybe we've got a bit blurred about those as though it doesn't matter that these things but I think if you go into the street and you start telling a story and somebody can't hear a word they'll shout out what was that I had that, you know, that was in the theatre when I started to go to the theatre.
2: Mm.
1: You know, that that if you really want connection between the audience and a community and an ensemble, you have to have that two-way process. I, mean, yes. I know that Shakespeare had it. So I, I do understand the new, but I think we're, the new might be in the old.
0: The new might be in the
1: old. <laughs> yes. Just like... We might have to know something and know it differently. Yes. Maybe we have to know something differently. But th- it's, there's tremendous hope. Because we do need it. Um, and I think they'll find their way. And I will trot in harness, I'll die in harness, if I can help them find their way. Well, that's our
0: responsibility, isn't it? Is to... It is the only response, Yeah, to hold a space for them to find a way through and to take a lead, to take up their space.
1: And to, to really find out, you know, it's all about passion, isn't it? What do they really want to do? Mm. What is your passion? Do the work. Do it as well as you can. Honour the story honor the ensemble you see i i teach ensemble in big teams in business because what's so wonderful when an ensemble works it teaches everybody in the ensemble and the audience about community so this is an old thing and ensemble is going we teach ensemble but it's going so that might be the new old coming back You know, when a great lead actor is on stage, whoever is speaking is the lead. So if the messenger comes in, everybody gives that person the lead in my work in presence. That's what happens. Mm. So everybody is important. Everybody contributes. Everybody has a role. And if actually by, I remember seeing that in ensemble when I was a child and I went to the theatre, I thought, oh, everyone matters. The community. Mm. The community matters. And that's what you're also doing when you meet an audience. You're talking about a community, a shared community, which is a shared exchange. Mm. So the old, new. The old, new you're not gonna wipe out certain things.
0: There's something in the way you speak about ensemble and community that feels very resonant with the current state of play, particularly in this, in our United Kingdom. What does community mean? How are we as a society attending to each other and operating with each other? I don't know if you feel that correlation or you're interested in that dynamic of the work in the room with the ensemble and then the greater world at large and the ensemble out there, out on the street?
1: Well, there's ensembles everywhere. We use ensemble. There are teams everywhere. There are, um, because that's how humankind work. Mm. If we work together, if an ensemble works together if a team works together if a community works together we can deal with anything doesn't mean to say as i said earlier you might dislike certain people but that you serve a cause Mm. we serve the play we you know what what has happened in leadership is that we have now leaders serving themselves
2: Mm.
1: and that is going to have to change and it will be it has to change. And that's what you see. So th- th- these parallels, theatre isn't in a little box on its own. It comes from somewhere and it comes from the human spirit. Mm.
0: But, but what you're saying about the potential for the future of theatre and how it might become the new old or the old new through this is, um, yeah, it makes me it it makes me think about the ensemble actually, and the power of theater not being in a box anymore, that it's out in the street. it's in it's not hidden away in a big austere building. Well, you're
1: saying what I wanted to say, but more, yes, better. <laughs> I do <laughs> yes, it, there's,
0: it, there's some, it's... something about it being of and with the the audience, with the community, it's it's not packaged away. In a, a beautiful box somewhere well that, that's not its only and most um uh, it can't be iteration
1: it can't be mm. and you know you know my history i've I, I've done productions in top security prisons, and theater and ensemble works you know I think of shakespeare's love love song in a way to theater is the play within the play in Hamlet. Mm. He gives the best advice ever about acting to the actors because the play has to work. And it does work because Claudius, of course Claudius knows he's killed his brother, but he calls for light. And in the way, those wonderful metaphors and images work and resound in you because light has entered his head. Mm. And he comes forward in in a soliloquy, this first soliloquy, and he says to the audience, oh, my offense is rank. It smells to heaven. He's been changed. His, his, he's got enlightenment. And that's what ensemble, the safety of ensemble can give us. Mm. And that happened to me in a prison when I was doing a Hamlet. And I was, you know, there's a dreadful moment. It's terrifying. I've had terrible car crashes. When the, when the rest of the prisoners come in to see this production or, or scenes, and, and the guy, they most of them were murderers, and one of them was playing Claudius, and he came forward and said to the audience, oh, my offense is rank, and it, sm- it smells to heaven, it smells to heaven, and they gasped, because that is the power of storytelling, and that's why it should never be in a box. Everyone should have access to it. Mm everyone and in my other world in the corporate world i get hr people saying to me you've got to tell that person they're immoral (laughs) you know that i said you can't tell what you can do is get them embodying what shape what actors do is they embody knowledge it's no good reading a speech and getting it and it's entering you you've got to be in your body You've got to be present. You've got to be on your breath. You've got to use your voice and your diction. And suddenly a magic happens, mm. which is not only are you clear in space and the audience hears it, but it shifts you. Language and sound shift you. Mm. And you give... Theatre should be for... They should, everyone should w- want to go. Everyone should want to get on the ferry and uh, go across the Thames. And it should be inspirational and funny and entertaining and educational and teach us something about who we are and yeah. how to behave.
0: I'm, um, I've been aware in the last couple of weeks of, of people stepping up uh, publicly and making the case for theatre. And it's generally around funding that, that, that funding will be the answer to the survival of the sector. What do you think about the case
1: well, we have to have funding. I'm I'm not being very practical, but I think one of my dreams for years, and I, I, I do this work, is that actors have a lot to teach the world. Not only about, as I talk about this embodiment, but about the work and how to work. And whenever I've done courses, and I've done quite a few, when actors have entered a space with very powerful leaders they've learned a lot from each other and so my instinct is that i will have to go out and ask for money you know because if they realize that theater works we know it works with kids you know something very interesting happened as i've been teaching for so long in the corporate world um going back to knowing that I often give um, the corporate people a sort of Hippocratic Oath to read. It's about 5,000 years old. And it started to, I started, I did it with doctors and it started to occur to me that they weren't studying the humanities. Of course they weren't. Um, But right in the middle of the Hippocratic Oath, and it's for doctors, as you know, it says, you must admit when you don't know. Mm. So it's, it's really, again, old, old knowledge coming into its newness now, mm. old knowledge. But I started to realize that no ethical debate occurs anymore in business schools. There is no... So when I meet an extraordinary leader, most of them have read Shakespeare. One of the students a while ago gave me Maya Angelou's uh, essay on on Shakespeare. Nelson Mandela read Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. Obama reads, reads Shakespeare. Because it is, as I said, this manual. And if you haven't had the humanities, you haven't ever had a debate about morality. Of course, people have misused power for centuries, but they've done it knowingly. I've come across people who didn't know there was a code of conduct. And I think actors working with those people is a very interesting option. Mm. You know, one prays that their funding will go on. The funding, you know, the, the RSC goes, the, the education department gets to half a million kids a year,
2: mm.
1: and they transform the lives of children. But we could transform. I mean, my if I have to get on my soapbox, I'll say that this is for our well-being, our, our health. Not only, you know, when you read Shakespeare, he asks you to go there physically. He asks you to go there intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're asked to go somewhere. And the new old and the old new is... We need this. We need... And it's a man who understood, because of Renaissance, uh, the two sides of the mind. We're we're in this mess on one level because we've educated people on one side of their mind, the left brain. And Shakespeare understood, as did the ancient Greeks, that there are two parts of us, that we go between uh, reason and emotion. Mm. The early training of actors, there's some... There's a wonderful uh, teacher I work with in New York, in um, America, David Landon, and he talks about the left and the right brain and this extraordinary, he's a professor of rhetoric. But when young actors, they they didn't necessarily do it on stage, but when they were rehearsing or practicing and they were speaking about logic, or reason, they put their left, they knew it was the left side, they put their left hand out in a fist. When they talked about heart, their right heart came, hand came out in this open palm. And you are to swing from reason to heart. And that's what we need. We need this swing, we need both, but it's got out of balance education is out of balance
2: Mm.
1: and now some schools some teachers are doing amazing work let's just you know but for us to allow and that's what actors often do they allow the audience to do that swing between the two places in themselves Mm. so i think maybe one has to go out and say we'll share this work more Mm this 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 thing of ensemble community it has to be held as a safe place
2: mm.
1: you have to hold it it's normally in in the when i first went into the theater it was the lead actor and still a lot of lead actors hold the safety or the director has to hold the teacher has to hold the safety mm. the leader has to hold the safety because when we do very profound, dangerous work, it is dangerous.
2: Mm.
1: And you cannot do it if you don't feel safe. Shakespeare says in Sonnet 94, which is the great sonnet of power, that great leaders, they rightly do inherit heaven's graces and husband nature's riches from expense. They are the lords and owners of their faces. They don't, they don't, they hold the space. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do very well in theatre. And that's what we could teach. A great actor holds the audience with safety. Because we cannot go to difficult places unless we feel safe. And my God, I've made mistakes in my life in teaching. You know, I haven't held a, a space and a young student have got, has got up to work and somebody's just gone, ha! All it takes is the wrong moment of ha! So all these skills that we talk about in ensemble are human skills on the highest level holding a safe space mm. that's what we do we, we desperate for a leader to hold a safe space mm. to to say to open a debate to listen to not misuse their power but use their power
2: mm.
1: and that is what teach that's what we are taught in theatre. Mm.
0: So what's your, what's your um, clarion call then to the the community and particularly to the the acting the actor in training at this moment? How do we how do we hold that safe space for them to be brave and take things forward
1: and we make are things on your better? side? You are not alone. With a great text, you are with Shakespeare. With the great idea, with yourself. Our job, really, the the voice person's job is to empower. Keep on working the instrument that will empower you. Stay present. Don't. Imagine that fear is going to overwhelm us. We can honor fear, but not let it drown us. Uh We can trust without any doubt that if we are serious, we seek the truth with love. And that we know that storytelling is part of the human condition, need, and glory. And they have always tolerated great storytellers. You can, if you've got a good story to tell, somebody's going to listen. We are important, that the arts are important when they pursue the humanities profoundly. And that's all over the planet, all over. God, I've been lucky, I've, got, I've been all over the place. And people tell stories. And they tell the stories with those themes in that I I talked about earlier. Mm. There is hope. There
0: is hope.
1: I can't write the check, but I will. (laughs) I I know that great acting will not die. It might have to find, it has to come out of its box. It should have come out of its box. Been controlled and put in a box.
2: Mm.
1: And... People don't, are too frightened to go into the theater, but that's not Shakespeare's theater. And we can read, somehow I think we can, we can do it, but we have to speak it. I'm, to, I'm, I'm just gonna be boring right at the end. I just have to talk a bit about what I do. Because if you go to the theater, and I've spent years of my life sitting at the back of the theater, that's what I do. And if you can't hear somebody If they're not audible, if they're not clear, why listen to the story? If you miss one word, you miss the next section. Robert Edison, that great actor once said to me, you know, tell those young students that the the people that really care about theatre, he was talking about the Old Vic, are right in the gods. They queue in the rain, they want, they, you have to be generous. To be clear is generous. And that's what artists have to now be. We have to be generous, we have to give, we have to be clear, we have to be present, we can't be flaccid, we can't stand on stage holding our little fi- spear as though it's boring. And if, if you can't understand that, if you're in the room with King Lear, you're not going to not be present. I don't think you would. I think you're probably very present in the room with Donald Trump. I mean, it's dangerous. So be generous. Open your voice. Use your voice. Don't say what you say. Mean what you say as you say it in classical text. Because otherwise I can't understand it. So it's an incredible skill just to be clear Mm -hmm. and communicate. And then the audience will come back they'll come back, you know? And that's the dignity that we have to have. But there's hope we can be generous and the passion and the work and the ensemble and the meeting of community through ensemble and discussing very important things in safe places, in a safe place, which is a theater or a a, a platform in a orchard or wherever it is is never going to stop, and it is important. It is not just, you know, when I've talked about the importance of these stories, these are important things for a civilization. These are very important, you're important. When I was I was in Soweto just after apartheid, every actor I taught had been tortured under apartheid because tyrants know that artists and actors and great storytellers, are incredibly dangerous so the call to arms is that we need you you can work you can refine the work you can take the work out there and a civilized society needs you thank you so much thank you